You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. So today we're going to talk about alliances. Uh, I was at last week, this past week, I was uh, spoke at a leaders and pastors retreat up in Pennsylvania. It was beautiful up there, the mountains and a little cool, not super cool, but uh, the leaves turning. You know, we just don't see stuff like that. So it was very, very beautiful. But, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, it kept reminding me of as there were governmental leaders, there were business leaders, ministry leaders, and it kept reminding me of Elijah when he thought he was all alone. Right. But God said, I've, I have all of these others just like you that are out doing these things. And that's what it reminded them of. Sometimes we get in our little space, our region, whatever's going on in our city, our minds, and think, gosh, we're the only ones going through it. And then we realize that God has all these people around us making these forward movements for the kingdom. And that we are not alone in this war that we're in, that it is a war of, of numbers. It's the war of the army of the Lord going forward and making headways into these areas that have been in darkness, right? Yeah. So it was really good to be with. I, I learned a lot from a lot of different people, um, and it was, it was just a great time. But I, part of what I want to talk about today is understanding the alliances and how do we discern? How do we pick through who are we to align with? Because it's a critical season for us right now is knowing who we align with and who we don't. And we're going to start in Joshua 9. Um, but one of the things I learned from some of the people I spent time with, heard their stories as we shared and talked to, was there is deception coming in the doors. There are people that are coming in the doors, and, and we have experienced this in, in different ways, that, that look like they carry our heart, that look like they're part of our movement, but they're actually an assignment of the enemy to divide and to cause dissension. And it is clear, it is clear. And I was, in fact, I was working with one of my clients and we were going through a process of, of, of things. And um, it was so clear as we were engaging with someone else outside of their business that that person, and it was one phrase that they said, but that person was not going to be our person. That when they, if they were to come into our association, that they would bring division. And you know, when you're right on the cusp of bringing them in, inviting them in, and then all of a sudden you get that Holy Spirit nudge that says, uh-uh. And you can't explain it. You don't understand it. All you know is that you know that it ain't right. 
Yes, yeah, the counsel of the Lord. And, and I, that's what I want to talk about is a little bit thinking through and making us aware of uh, really the deceptive path that the enemy is using through people to try to dismantle what God is doing in our body. And not just the gathering body. I'm talking about the big body of God. Uh, so let's just, let's just get starting. It really is a, uh, just kind of a heads up. We need to think through and be aware that there is division on every side. And, and not everyone that wants to engage with you is your person. They're just not. And they may want to be your person, but they're not. And if you have unholy alliances with people that are not your person, then you will be distracted. You will have levels of destruction against you. You will have misguided paths that you go down because they're rabbit trails that this person has taken you on because you've gotten into alliance with them. So there's my whole sermon right there. We can just stop now. But let's just start in verse 3, uh, Joshua chapter 9. So Joshua, of course, is, he's got Israel. They are taking the promised land. They are defeating everyone that's in front of them. And uh, verse 3, it says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. So here is the first designation. They pretended. They pretended to be something that they weren't. They took out old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. So we have the deception has begun. They've approached Israel, Joshua, and said, make a covenant with us. And they not only was the deception out of their heart, they disguised themselves so it looked the outside appearance was that they had traveled afar. So they demonstrated themselves so that Joshua would be deceived. Let's skip to verse 15. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they'd made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. So by the time they realized what would happen, it was too late. And it's because, uh, let's see if I wrote the scripture down or not. Uh, it's, it's because they wanted the protection of Joshua and in verse 22, it says, Joshua called for them and he spoke to them and said, why have you deceived us? Saying you were very far from you. Uh, we were very far from you when you dwell near us. Now, therefore, you are cursed. So they had to pay a payment for the deception. But what happens is Joshua gets all of Israel into a situation where now they have to protect them. 
They have brought them in. They have sworn a covenant to them, a covenant that is not broken, and now they have to protect them. And it leads Joshua and Israel into a war that was not meant for them. Let's go to Joshua 10. And we don't want to be in a war that is not our battle. We don't want to be protecting something that God has not given us an anointing to protect. And jo that is what happened to Joshua and them. They, they ended up in a war that was not their war. Verse 4, I think that's where I want to go. So they, so they, you know, the, um, let me just give you a little prelim. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but so there's five Kings, the King of Jerusalem and four other Kings and the King of Jerusalem stirs up the four other Kings to go up against Gibeon. One order for Gibeon to be attacked. That means that Joshua has to rise up to defend it because now they're in covenantal partnership with him. Verse four. It says, um, I can't see it. come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon for it has made peace with Joshua and the children of Israel. And verse six says, and the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal saying, don't forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. And so Joshua has to raise up his army to go out and defend what he has coveted to protect. And one of the areas that we have to watch is there is a sense that everyone out there needs to be accepted by everyone else. And that is in error. Because God brings to us the people we are to partner with. He brings to us the people we are supposed to have alliances with. And when we don't inquire of the Lord, which is this is what it says. It says that the Joshua and the people of Israel did not inquire of the Lord prior to accepting the Gibeonites into their ring. They looked at the outside they looked at their condition. They looked at, uh, they listened to what their words said, but there was no vetting. It was all exterior. And that gets them into a war with five nations that they were not supposed to be in. They were out of the timing and out of the alignment of what God had assigned them to. Now, it doesn't mean that God didn't know where they were going to do it. It just means that if they would inquire of the Lord, the Lord might have given them a different path to take. Because their whole, whole mandate was to overtake and overthrow the promised land, not partner with the people they were supposed to overtake, right? And I think that's where, as people, we have to watch not being naive in the people we encounter, we have to be clear, you know, sometimes our compassion and our sympathy and the pressure of the culture yeah. is creating a response that doesn't align with the mandate of God that he's put on us. Right. 
And it's hard to have that discussion that you're not my people. Because then you feel like, oh, if I was really a Christian, I would accept everyone. If I was really a Christian, you know, we've been given a false narrative because that is not what the word says. The word says in uh, Second Chronicles, I mean, Second Corinthians six eleven. Let's just read that real quick, and then we're going to talk about some other areas of just just heads up, just warnings, just awareness to what to look for. But Second Chronicles six eleven says, "O Corinthians, we have spoke openly to you. Our hearts, our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections." Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belia, which is Satan? It's another name for Satan. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And of course, he's talking about unbelievers here. And that is something we have to watch too is, you know, there, you know, you think of Daniel. Daniel is put in a situation with uh, pagans, but he's assigned to that. And God is with him in every step. Unless you're assigned, like he ended up being the head over all the soothsayers. Unless you're assigned to that particular uh, appointment from God, you can't take it on because you want to see change. You can't step out in your own desire to see change if God hasn't given you the anointing to bring the change to that environment. You just can't. And we are taught as we are brought up and there's songs to sing. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And, you know, we're, we are taught this, this mantra of everyone's accepted. So we're to be all things to all people, but we're not. God calls those to himself and they have the choice to respond. But God puts an anointing on us to step out and do what he's called us to do. And there are people that we will say no to in this calling. Because they are not brought here to raise up and train and be a part of the movement. They're brought up here to divide and to be divisive and to cause issues within the movement. So you spend all your time trying to uh, manage upheaval instead of managing the movement of God with the people he's given you to manage, right? And it's really critical. I, one of the governmental leaders that was with us, uh, they are in a huge battle in their state. And uh, someone actually wrote a book and included them by name as their nemesis. <clears throat> because she is going for family and righteousness and holiness, and they're going for um, across-the-board acceptance and ungodliness and unbelieving and all that. So the book actually categorized her as the nemesis 
and as a person of hate. How could someone like her be so filled with hate? And she has a responsibility for her state of battling the legislation that is coming against the word of God. And you know that when you take a stand, not only will people try to infiltrate to destroy what you are doing, but they will come full force at you. But the full force at you is much easier to discern than the ones that sneak in behind you. And we know that. If someone's accusing you, you know, out in the open, that's easy. We see that. But if someone's trying to infiltrate, that's a little harder. You know, we actually had someone apply for our children's program that was a Satanist. Now, that's pretty obvious. You just check the box. Don't fit the requirements. But when you have them assigned under the deception, just like the Gibeonites did with Joshua, you know, they're clothed right, the verbiage is right, all of those things look right, but is the intent of the heart is what has to be exposed. That's where we have to get our discernment. That's where we have to be in, in a community of people that can help pray through and discern and help us decide what is right and who is right. And it's true even in the church. You know, uh, when we first started the church, we were told by our Morningstar covering, uh, not everyone who comes to your church, you have to accept them as part of your church. And being from a large denomination, we were shocked. We were like, how can you actually do that? And they said, you have to discern, are they with you or against you? And that's part of the process because the enemy will send people that look like they're with you, but they're actually there to disrupt and destroy and create division within what God's called you to do. And that is a, that is such a word for right now. That is what we're seeing is this destruction of these infiltrated assignments from the enemy and they they're dressed like people. They got the clothing on, you know, they, they look just like us. And so we're, we're, we're vulnerable. We're um, open. Uh, we had a situation recently uh, in another ministry that I work with that someone who'd been part of the ministry for a long time introduced us to someone else. And, um, as it turned out, they weren't able to come to an event. This has been a while back, but it just reminded me of it. But the person that got introduced came. As it turns out, that person was using the other person's name to get favor and to get entrance. And as leaders, sometimes we put down our guard when someone else's name is dropped that we're very familiar with, that we have deep relationship with. And even through those circumstances, we have to have that discernment of the Lord to be able to say, it's so great to meet you. But I got to get my team praying to see if you're with me. It was a very interesting, very interesting situation. Okay, let's go over to Mark 9. Mark 9. 
we're going to talk about this a little bit. I just want us to talk about things we got to be aware of it as we go. And part of it is just, you know, it says that uh, the wolves come in sheep clothing. The Gibeonites came, made it everything look like what they said was true. And it just was not true. Um, Mark 9, verse 38 It says, now John answered him and said, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me for he who is not against us is on our side. And I just want to touch on that for a minute because sometimes in streams across ministries, we all, there's different streams. We tend to separate ourselves and make ourselves feel like they aren't really a part because they don't do it like we do it. They aren't really involved in, the, in what really Jesus is doing because they don't do it like we do it. And Jesus is saying, for whoever, um, for he who is not against us is on our side. We have to be able to recognize who actually is against us and who actually is operating with us. It just doesn't look like us. And it's just that clear discernment of understanding that we're all one body. We all look different. We all move in different functions. There would be people that would come here and be like, this is the best thing ever. There'd be people who come here and be like, can we get out? You know, are they going to ever let us out? They go for two, two and a half hours. You never know. So, you know, everybody's different and everybody moves different. And we have to be careful not to discount the people that are different from us, but are creating kingdom advancements in the way that God has called them to do. So in that discerning process, we have to be careful not to get rid of things that are God and inquire of the Lord as people try to gather into our circles. Even in our business world, you know, many of us are in business. We have to understand who we're going to work with, believer or unbeliever, how we're going to work with them, and what's God's assignment in the arena that he has us in in this moment? Because we all know in our business world, for the most part, not everybody's a Christian. We're going to encounter all kinds of different people. And we're not going to be unequally yoked with them, get into a situation where uh, I had someone, it was so funny, it was, a, it was not funny, it's, it's just ironic. He was a pastor, he had been an alcoholic, um, this has been probably 20 years ago, got you know sober for a long time, went into business, and uh, he told me that he began drinking with his customers so he would feel accepted. That's a sign of being unequally yoked. You know, he can drink club soda and still be accepted, you know, at the bar. But, but that's the pressure for us to conform to make it okay for the people around us instead of not creating this unequal yoke that will take us down a path that God has not planned for us. And we don't want to be unequally yoked 
so that we get in a rabbit trail that takes us away from the path that God has set for us. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, we're going to end with this one scripture. It's Luke 2, 49, starting in 49. Because this is really uh, God's word for us today. This is our, our prayer today. This is our declaration today. You know, Jesus is uh, young. He's uh, out doing his own thing while his family is missing him. Um, it says, uh, verse, what, what did I say, 49? Okay, well, anyhow, uh, Jesus is a boy. He's with the, they're in Jerusalem at the Feast of Passover. He's 12. He's, he's up there. Uh, commencing with all the scholars, all of this. His parents go on, start going home, and they realize they've left him. And uh, his mom says to him, now this is a mom, verse 48 says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they could not understand the statement which he spoke to them. This is the key for us. We must be about the Father's business. We must be in such oneness with him that even the water problem in our bathroom, the Holy Spirit's got an answer for, right? That he is so in tuned with, we are so in tuned with him and him with us that what we see when we encounter people, when people approach us, when uh, we start being invited in to, to join something or be a part of, that we are so much of the Father's business, that that discernment is clear and it's quick. And if there's any question within our mind, we surround ourselves with people who can pray us through to help us get the peace that we need to know whether to go forward or to move back. The peace that we need, whether to invite people in, or tell them we appreciate the opportunity for you to help, but right now it just doesn't seem like a right fit. We have to be so intentional in what the Father's heart is in this season. That is the way that we can live and breathe and do everything that we do under this protection because what we see is we see what the Father's doing. We can sense what the Father's doing. We can feel the anointing or the oil on whatever's happening or whatever's going on. We can also sense or feel the abrasion of what is not ours, that it'll feel so abrasive, so clear, so hard that that is not ours. They are not our people. You know, the one thing I always uh, tell people is, uh, Welcome freely, promote slowly. You got to have time to get to know and discern and understand whether they're for you or not. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as they have a passion, you have a passion, but those two passions just won't run parallel. They need to go their path so they can make their passion happen. So, you know, some of it's just understanding truly where you're called. And that comes from knowing the heart of the father and the anointing of the father for you. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand. We've got to have our discernment up. I just want to pray over us. So father, we just thank you that these clear pictures of even making a mistake, Joshua made a mistake 
It septed in the Gibeonites without checking with you. But even as he was provoked to war, you came in, sent the hailstones, let the sun stand still and gave him victory even in the midst of error. So Lord, I thank you that when we make errors, you don't leave us by ourselves and say, when you get it fixed, call me. You, you step in and help us to press through for the victory. And Lord, I'm just praying for each one of us that you'll just give us clear discernment of who is with us, who's supposed to be part of the momentum of moving the kingdom forward with us, who's supposed to be on our team, who are the ones we need to watch for, who are the ones that we need to completely cut off. Because God, we want to be about the Father's business and we can't be about your business if we're unequally yoked if we are misaligned with people that aren't our people. So Lord, clarify the call on our hearts, clarify the people that are around us. And if we have put up walls against people who are making movement, making forward motion in your kingdom because they're different than us, then Lord, just show us that and forgive us so we can be in more unity, even with diversity. So God, we just thank you for the wonder of who you are and how you hear our prayers and you answer it and how as we go, you will seed water and percolate what's in us so that it can be used for us um, in everything we do. So Jesus, we just thank you and love you. Amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.